You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and it is our first podcast for 2022. So Happy New Year to all our listeners. We've come back obviously to an explosion of COVID cases in Australia, particularly along the East Coast, but some states which have avoided COVID so far have obviously had an outbreak. Joining me to talk about what this means for the Australian economy is our Head of Australian Economics, Gareth Ed. Gareth, nice to have you on and Happy New Year. Yeah, thanks, Belinda. Happy New Year to you too and also, of course, to all of our listeners. So we needed that Christmas break to start to look at what the explosion in COVID cases mean for the economy and it's a really interesting time for the Australian economy because we have a lot of COVID now in the community but we're not back in lockdown. So trying to work out what it means for the economy, both from a consumption point of view, but also from a labour market point of view, is really challenging at the moment. So Gareth, kind of how are you approaching the impact on the economy in the short term? Well, look, I mean, it's been a very eventful Mm. three to four weeks. Uh, A lot has happened in a very short amount of time and it's occurred at a time when a lot of people are on leave and you normally have a fair bit of uh, volatility activity anyway because um, you've got Christmas and the New Year period. So uh, we've come back to work um, uh, basically this week and uh, we're trying to actually work out what's currently going Mm. on in the economy, uh, what sort of a shock we're going through, uh, how long that's likely to last and whether or not that really changes the medium-term picture for the economy. And we've arrived at the view at the moment that uh, we're going through uh, quite a bit of disruption. Now, our card spend data uh, has picked that mm-hmm. up, albeit it's not quite as bad as uh, intuitively you might have thought, given the significant number of people that are required to isolate. Um, but I think um, that this, te- this period is going to be temporary. A lot of the things that are going to drive the, the, the economy in the medium term still remain intact. Um, and so we're still pretty confident around the, how the economy is going to go this year, but it, but it does mean we've certainly kicked off 2022 with, with quite a period of, of disruption. So there are, I guess, a, a couple of different ways that the recent outbreak can impact the economy. There's a lot of COVID cases in the community, so people are isolating. So in the note that you published today, you kind of talk through the number of people that have COVID and the number of close contacts that may be required to isolate. So those people effectively will reduce their spending for the time of their isolation. That impacts consumption, but we may see a bounce back. We also know that those people, a lot of those people can't work. So it's going to impact on hours worked for that period of time as well. But the degree of that, as you said, compounded with the holiday period does make the exact numbers very challenging to look at. Look, look, that's exactly right. Um, it's probably worth just taking a step back and just you know, thinking about how strong the economy was going oh, as we yeah. as we headed into the end of 2021. It was it was red hot, and you know we've seen that in, in recent backward looking data. And over the next month or so, we're still going to get a lot of data which is picking up what happened in late 2021, and that's all going to look very strong. So we 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 entered this. Experience 
explosion, if you like, in COVID cases um, with the economy uh, on a very strong footing. Uh, but obviously, we've had a pretty significant shock, and we're going through that right now, which is fundamentally driven by um, the number of COVID cases and the isolation mm. requirements around them. So, you know, the, 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 just the, the, the published numbers around COVID cases uh, are a little bit um, ambiguous at the moment, given there's been um, delays with, with um, people that have been doing official testing, getting results, and then um, registering uh, the, the, the ruts. And it's creating lots of uncertainty around how many people actually have COVID and how many people are in are in isolation at the moment. But we've kind of run some back-of-the-envelope calculations based on the official number of um, daily cases and then the mm. assumption that, um, let, let's just say, the average person has one close contact, which is already which, which um, also has to isolate for uh, for seven days, then you know, over the last few weeks at any point in time, you've probably got around one million people uh, currently isolating, which is a, a, which is a huge number of people. It, it, look, it's, it's a big number. And obviously, if you're in isolation, you can't leave your home, which means you can't go out mm. uh, and spend money on goods and services. You can still uh, get goods delivered to your home, but you certainly can't consume services. Um, so that has a negative impact on spending. But of course, it's temporary um, because as soon as someone comes out of isolation, well, they can get out there and spend. And um, I, I would imagine a lot of people, uh, once they've been in isolation, particularly if they've had COVID, they can then get out there and do things, not worrying actually about getting COVID, given uh, they would have just had that. So... It's all very fluid at the moment, mm. um, and our card spend data is suggesting that there's an impact, um, particularly on the on the services side. But um, that's exactly what you'd expect, given given you've got people in in forced isolation. And I think if we get to the stage where the cases peak pretty soon, and that that seems to be the official message yeah. coming out from the health authorities, uh, then things actually this bad patch that we're at the moment um, you know, should actually start to improve as, as we get through to the towards the end of this first quarter of the year. Now, I think what the latest uh, explosion in COVID cases has also done is reinforce some of the headwinds or the issues we've seen in the Australian economy, particularly around staff shortages. So we have a lot of staff and businesses that may be operating at reduced capacity at the moment because they can't get the staff. Now, this was an issue pre-Omicron as well, and I think that's been reinforced by border closures, but also very high job vacancy data, which we did get over the Christmas period as well. How do you start to unpack what this means, I guess, for the rest of 2022? Assuming that we do see a pause or a the peak in Omicron coming soon and a fall, do we see the recent outbreak impact on kind of our medium-term view, which was very positive for the Australian economy? Yeah, look, the, the medium-term view for, for a strong year remains intact. And in a lot of ways, what we're going through right now is what a number of other countries around the world have already gone through. Um, we In Australia, we, we obviously had lockdown periods, um, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria. But we kind of, once we went into the lockdown, we sort of knew what to expect um, during the lockdown, whereas it's a little bit different yeah. this time around because um, the national economy is effectively open. Uh, there's not a lot of restrictions in play at the moment, but you've got uh, lockdown-type impacts coming through in terms of disruption on, on spending and the supply of labour because, of, because people mm-hmm. are in uh, forced isolation. So where I think that's going to show up in the data, obviously around spending and then also around hours worked, mm-hmm. um, but it, it shouldn't actually show up in terms of a, a change in headcount. Um, I mean, if someone is basically can't cut, 
go to work for a week. They're, they're still employed. They've still yeah. got their jobs, so there's no change there. And that means it also doesn't change the level of unemployment in the economy. What it, what it, what it means is, though, for a lot of businesses, uh, they might be operating at reduced capacity. Uh, they might be requiring staff to work extra hours. Uh, they might be changing how they're doing things slightly to get through this period. Uh, and that's where we, we talk about this period of disruption. But you know, it, it still means that we've got a very tight labour market. Um, you know, the, the job vacancies data that yeah. we, we got out a couple of weeks ago was incredibly strong. Yeah. And the unemployment rate should still drop uh, pretty quickly as we go through this year. So you know, the broader dynamics that we've been talking about for a while in terms of higher inflation, a tighter labour market, upward pressure on wages, households sitting on a lot of savings. That story uh, all remains intact, but we've obviously kicked off the off the year with uh, quite a bit of disruption. But um, you know, once we get through this period, I think things will only get better. So turning attention to the monetary policy outlook, and we do get the RBA board meeting on the 1st of February. Uh, and all eyes will be on that just given we get inflation data out between now and then. What does the recent outbreak, I guess, mean for our monetary policy outlook? Do we need to change it or we're happy with still expecting that first rate hike in November 2022? Uh, have very, very content to leave that first rate hike in there for, for late 2022. Um, this, we're going through a, a short-term shock right now, but that doesn't really change, in our view, the, uh, the, the medium-term outlook for inflation, wages, or where the unemployment rate's going to go. And that all underpins our view that the RBA will get around to raising the cash rate later this year. Um, we've got some very important data releases coming up between now and the February board meeting. Um, now, depending on when someone's listening to this podcast, some of that data may have already dropped. But um, on Thursday, uh, we get the December Labor Force survey, and that should be another strong print. And then, uh, more importantly, on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday of next week, on the 25th of January, uh, we get the Q4 CPI. And that has the potential to be a really pivotal um, data release because you know, the Reserve Bank's um, profile for inflation is still what we would say quite a conservative one. I mean, they're, they're expecting sort of 0.5%, 0.6% on the trim mean. Uh, we think it'll come in quite a bit stronger. And if we're right, that's really going to, I, I think, change uh, the narrative around what the Reserve Bank has been saying on inflation. Um, the, the markets are expecting higher inflation to come through. Uh, we obviously are. If we see that in the data uh, on Tuesday week, uh, then that's going to leave us very comfortable uh, with the view that the Reserve Bank will be raising interest rates later this year because it'll mean that those inflation pressures in the economy that the business surveys have been mm. picking up uh, that we've um, certainly been expecting to see that lots of our corporates are saying they're experiencing. And it'll, it'll mean it finally shows up in the official data and certainly everything that we're looking at in terms of what's likely to unfold this year uh, means those inflation pressures are not likely to dissipate at all. Um, so comfortable at the moment with, with the view around the Reserve Bank. In a lot of ways, the call around the bond buying program is a, is a little bit... Uh, harder at the moment, given uh, we don't quite know the way the RBA will interpret um, what we're going through right now and how lo- how long-lasting they think the Omicron shock will be. But you know, from where we stand at the moment, based on how we think the data is going to come over the next couple of weeks and the fact that we think the Reserve Bank will still remain uh, pretty optimistic on the, on the medium term, uh, we think they'll end that bond buying program at the February board meeting, particularly given what's happening uh, over over in the US. Exactly right. Um, The Reserve Bank has said a lot 
that one of the things that feeds into their decision-making around the bond buying program is the decisions of, mm. of, of other central banks and, most importantly, the Federal Reserve. Well, we think that they get the Federal Reserve be raising uh, the Fed funds rate in March yeah. uh, and, and, and obviously stopping QE. So all of that uh, leaves us at the moment comfortable with our call, both that they end up the bond buying program in February and then, of course, that they raise the cash rate uh, uh, later on this year. Gareth, there is so much to keep on top of at the moment, just as we look at not only COVID cases, but also trying to watch some of that higher frequency data that captures the Omicron period. As you mentioned, we've seen a lot of data out in recent weeks that capture the pre-Omicron post-Delta phase, which has been very strong, but keeping an eye out and trying to work out how households and businesses react to the latest outbreak uh, will certainly keep everyone updated. Thanks for joining. Nice to chat, Belinda. Now, you can read Gareth Ayres' report on the impact of the explosion of COVID cases on the Australian economy on combankresearch.com.au. That was published on the 18th of January 2022. And where CBA data is referred to, this means the proprietary data of the bank. As the statistics take into account only the bank's data, it may not reflect all trends in the market. All customer data used or represented is anonymised and aggregated before analysis and is used and disclosed in accordance with the bank's privacy policy.